from the center of the United States. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online, episode number three. I am Tony Bruschi. Thank you so much for joining us. I guess so far, so good. We've, we've made it to our, our third official episode in the series of the show, which is, uh, I guess, somewhat of a feat. <laughs> I've been trying to keep up on this every single week, get the show done, get the show out there, because I know a lot of you guys are starting to follow it and starting to listen to it, and obviously the hundreds of thousands of views from our specials over the years. Uh, we uh, We got some fans, so I do appreciate that. Tonight on the show, it's, uh, it's going beyond just talk of the paranormal. We are going to enter into the world of actually hearing the paranormal. Of course, you probably know I'm talking about EVPs, or Electronic Voice Phenomena. Tonight, we have Greg Myers, president of the Paranormal Task Force, with us. And he's going to be sharing with us some EVPs that he has caught on his adventures, I guess, for a lack of a better term, uh, and, and findings out there in the field. So that should be a very interesting show this evening. A little background on Greg for our, our listeners out there. He's had paranormal encounters since being a teen, uh, has had years of paranormal investigative experience. He's well-versed with haunting classifications, paranormal investigative techniques, and leadership for example, Greg has served as a technician and supervisor while serving in the military and has further enhanced his education and abilities with legal issues while serving over 10 years in the legal field. Greg became part of Missouri Paranormal Research in August of 2005, serving as a co-administrator, lead investigator, and EVP specialist. While serving with MPR, Greg became an instrumental element in the collection and analysis of evidence in a case involving an extreme inhuman haunting possession. That's something I also want to ask him about this evening. That could, I'm sure, lead to some very interesting uh, conversation. This haunting was featured on Discovery Channel's uh, A Haunting series as the season three opener. In October of 2006, Greg co-founded Paranormal Task Force, which is a nonprofit organization which promotes the awareness of paranormal research and historical preservation through a variety of methods. Missouri Paranormal Research now serves as a non-extreme investigative and research division, while other divisions will be launched, making Paranormal Task Force a one-stop resource for all paranormal needs of clients, the public, and other organizations. Almost like a real-life Ghostbusters. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in just a bit. He's been on countless radio and TV shows sharing his knowledge of the paranormal. Greg has authored several short stories and articles concerning the paranormal, some of which were published in with uh, Weird Missouri and Weird Encounters in 2010. Greg was also voted as one of the top ten investigators in America for 2008-2010 on Haunted America Tours. Greg Myers, welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Well, hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on. I am very intrigued by what you do and what you have found. Uh, just to, to kick off our conversation here and to kind of introduce you uh, to our audience. Obviously, we just talked a, a bit about your background, but why don't you tell us in your own words, starting off, what initially got you interested in this topic? Well, basically, it's from having a few encounters growing up. I had some pretty bizarre ones, and that piqued my interest, even in the military. Actually, I lived out in the woods one time. To take the, my parents were taking care of a church camp that closed down for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And there was an old abandoned house on the ground. And it was rumored that it was a place where a family lived, and they were murdered by some motorcycle people, a motorcycle gang, like back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And that was due to being possessive of the road that went by their house and down a private road. The shortcut, more or less, to go out the back way of the property. And I guess a, a confrontation happened with the male of the family in the motorcycle gang, and they shot him and his wife with a shotgun. And then eventually the church camp reopened, and myself and a friend who was a lifeguard out at the camp um, we decided to do a little bit of a prank. We were teenagers on a group coming out doing a midnight moonwalk while they were, you know, staying at the camp. Mm-hmm. So we went down to the house and climbed up in the, the top floor, the second floor area. There was no stairs. We had to go up the side of the 
the laving board, you know, below the plaster, mm-hmm. and we waited and waited, and then all of a sudden we started hearing big, heavy footsteps, like work boots on the bottom floor. Mm-hmm. And we, we looked through a hole and didn't see nothing, and then all of a sudden some of the plaster started coming off the wall, coming up to the opening to the second floor. And we actually saw some of the laving boards pop inward, like feet kicking them in. Mm-hmm. And my friend was getting really nervous, and to tell the truth, I was too at the time. And then all of a sudden you heard these two loud footsteps that come up on the top floor, you know, clump, clump. And you heard a loud exhale. Well, my friend didn't wait. He jumped out the second-story window <laughs> and went with some brush and took off. I tried to hold my ground for a bit. But the footsteps came closer to me, and then suddenly it must have passed through me. We couldn't visually see anything, but it, it was like a feeling of dried eyes going through my body. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't jump out the window, but I, I hung out the window and, you know, went to the ground. And then we come running out of the woods in the moonlight, and we still could see some scaring campers at the time. They, they were on their walk, and we're running through the dark under moonlight right by them. Mm-hmm. At what point did you realize that that wasn't a person? Did it take up to the point of where you felt something go through you, or, or did you early on think this is not quite something human walking around upstairs? Well, we started hearing the footsteps on the ground below the heavy work boots, and we kept shining our flashlights. And you didn't there. see anything, yeah. We did not see anything, so we knew it had to be something abnormal or paranormal at the time. Wow. That could certainly, of course, pique an interest uh, to anyone to that uh, that topic. So years later, then you, uh, you you got into actual research, I understand, of, of the topic of the paranormal. How did that begin? Uh, that actually happened after an encounter in a house I recently bought back then. I was sitting in the bathroom and looked out. I left the bathroom door open. I was sitting on the toilet, looked out, and I saw this, like, a, a real thin farmer face, like a... a a farmer wearing coveralls, mm-hmm. looking in the bathroom at me. And I thought for sure somebody broke in the house. Sure. So I, I grabbed a shotgun and actually went running around. And then my wife at the time just laughed at me and said no one was was there. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized after searching the basement and everywhere else. So that took my interest further into the paranormal. And that's why I started researching more online instead of doing things individually. Mm-hmm. And I actually got hooked up with um, an investigation at the infamous house in Union, Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's the one you mentioned was on the Discovery Channel. Sure. Haunting. And, and that episode is called Fear House. Mm-hmm. And that's where it, you know, a lot of people perceive it to be demonic. And I sort of got a little more, you know, than what I bit off on that one. Yeah, walking into a haunting like that, that is not just something that's thought of as these are people who have passed on, but something that that never was on this earth that would be of demonic realm. That can be a very scary thing. And I've heard from many investigators that when they start feeling that or if they're approached about looking into something that that is into that realm, a lot of them just say, "Uh uh-uh, not going there, not going anywhere near that. What's uh, on that specific case? And we'll get to the EVPs here in just a few minutes because I know a lot of folks are, are waiting to hear those. Let's talk about that case a little bit. What was the the details of that case that made them think it was a demonic uh, building or home? Well, basically, the co-administrator of NPR at the time when I came on was Stephen McCann. Mm-hmm. He lived in that house prior, and him and his family experienced bizarre things. Um, like an evil clown chasing around the children. An um, evil clown? Know, a clown, yes. Wow. <laughs> I hate clowns. I, I, and then they actually were seeing an evil clown. Oh, wow. Continue on. They would chase around the children. They would go into a part of the house. They would get locked in. They would start screaming to get out you know, of a certain room and... And the father, Stephen, who is about seven foot tall, mm-hmm. you know, had to go and pull the doors open very hard to get them out of certain areas. Mm-hmm. So they didn't stay in that house too long. They left. But then another family moved in and started encountering things just as bad and worse. Mm-hmm. So Stephen got involved with trying to assist the family the best he could. And that's where I came along, you know, and in on the investigations. And that family, you could tell when you walked in, it was a real situation because. Every closet door in the house was blocked off with major furniture because, you know, they had the phobia that the 
Is that where they, would, where, they, where they would say it would originate from, where these things come out of, of confined spaces like that? Well, demonic haunting, it could really come from anywhere. But yeah. I guess the perception or the oppression stage, you know, is what people would call it if they want to try to make the family dysfunctional any way it can. Sure. So in this case, it portrayed like the boogeyman and what was bizarre about that. It also portrayed itself as like a little leprechaun type figure to that family, not the evil clown. Wow. So like change, I guess maybe they watched some of the shows with the evil leprechaun in it. Uh-huh. And they might have been afraid of it, so it played on their fears. It play, yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's, it's it was jumping on to the images that pop culture would have thrown out there over the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of evil and demonic things. But it, it took on that form because it knew that that's what that, that family feared. What was your role in that investigation? Well, I just started off. Um, it was like Stephen was trying to reformulate Missouri Paranormal Research. Mm-hmm. He recently lost the whole team, I think, over that haunting. So he was having people come and, and you know, try to investigate there and see how they handled it, and that's where I came along. He lost the team. Was it because of, of the, the subject of what it was and because it wasn't just a normal haunting for what a normal haunting would be? Yeah, I think so. It was like the action, from what I understood, was the actions of the prior team members, the way they changed and different things that happened to them, yeah. the way the location. Wow. So I could follow them home and, you know, also go after them in their own home. Sure, so they wanted nothing to do with it. Right. Okay. And you thought, hey, this would be a great idea, let's join in. <laughs> well, my curiosity was peaked, and I went there, and actually the first time I stepped in the house, I became instantly ill. I had to stay outside for a half hour. Really? I became instantly disorientated, like something I experienced before, nauseated, had trouble breathing, and, and everything else. So I went back outside and rested, and then I finally got the courage up to go back in. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, some of the first locations I, or the first location I captured some spectacular electronic voice phenomena or EVP from, and that turned me into like a kid in the candy store. Mm-hmm. I had to keep going back to explore that specifically. Wow! Did did anything follow you home? There were a few occasions where very bizarre things happened in my own house as well. Yeah. During that investigation, one time, you know, something shadowy manifested the corner of my bedroom. I got up to approach it, and it was like a giant sheet of plexiglass that hit my body and sent it backwards. Oh, wow. And luckily, uh, luckily, the bed was back there, and I actually went backwards up on the bed, flipped over, actually. That's how much force it had. When something like that happens to you, does it make you, or, or did it make you question continuing on in in the, the, your form of, of investigation of this sort of a, a topic? Yeah, when stuff like that happens that quick, it makes you rethink everything. It makes yeah. you rethink the paranormal. It makes you reevaluate your faith or spiritual system as well. Sure. So you have to grow stronger within that before you return back to it. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, that is... <laughs> uh, a- after that, let me ask you this, because you said that was was one of the first investigations that you had gone into? One of the first formal okay. ones with other people. I, I've done solo stuff off and on for years. Did you ever encounter anything that you felt was of that level of, of demonic activity after that, or was that, was that a fairly rare case? Demonic issues are very rare. They, they surface maybe one out of a thousand cases. What, what got you into to capturing EVPs? I was very skeptical. I'm more scientific-minded in nature with okay. paranormal. So when I went to the Union haunting, I thought I'd give it a try. And then coming out of there the first night, I had one, a couple of very spectacular ones, and I even sent them off at the time. It was Todd Beats in Chicago. He ran Haunted Voices. He was the expert of that day, and he still pretty much is. Mm-hmm. And he listened to my audio over and over again. And it, had a, it had an acceptable quality to it where he kept wanting to go back and keep doing it and keep doing it. And even he wanted to analyze the audio, you know, that I captured. Mm-hmm. So that set me off on my addiction, you know, for the communication. Sure. 
What was your first EVP? What did you capture? What was it saying? Well, I I think the first one I captured out of the Union House was that very bizarre one. I like I, I like the little boy. I like the little boy. And that, and that was actually used in the documentary Children of the Grave that aired on Sci-Fi as well. Okay. Is that one of the EVPs that you've sent us to listen to tonight? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. That be in there. That's the that's Union Point. Is that Pardon? or is that is that the Union I, I'm seeing listed here? Um, Union. What's the label after it? I see Union Like Boy. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And I'm not sure how it's going to be heard over the radio. Sometimes. Sure. It's more difficult to hear them over loudspeaker systems or radio broadcasts. And we'll play that in just a few moments. We'll go through the uh, these EVPs, and you can share the stories uh, behind uh, those EVPs. Um, let me ask you this before we start playing some of these EVPs, because there's there's more ways to capture EVPs, it seems, than there there has been in the past. Of course, there's the tape method, uh, using an actual cassette recorder that uses analog tape. Now there's, of course, also the digital method. Um, Let's start out between those two two methods. What one do you prefer using today? I think they both work equally as well. Really? Because they can manipulate the magnetic heads on the old tape recorder, the magnetic ones. Mm-hmm. But on the new ones, you have the IC circuitry, which could be manipulated with electromagnetic fields as well. So either way, you think they work just as good? Right. I capture them on both. Okay. Now, what about the the other method that people have been using to capture words? And I it, the the name of the the contraption eludes me, but it scans through frequencies very quickly. And some claim that they can literally almost have conversations back and forth, or ask questions and, and get an answer back almost immediately. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Oh, oh yes, I am. I'm, I'm a scientific minded. I don't really consider communication from those devices. As- but you're talking about what they call Frank's radio. Yeah. Um, Ghost, Ghost Adventures has the SD7 box, and that's what it does. It does a quick sweep through the radio frequencies. Some even have short wave on them now. Yeah. Is uh, what? What are your? What's your opinion on on that method? Is that accurate? Is that something you would consider to be actually producing real results, or is it just? Because the, the, the results we're hearing are so fast and quick, it could be anything when it's scanning literally FM and AM waves and shortwave. There's a lot of pieces that could be being pulled in. Right. I was very, very skeptical at first, you know, being scientific-minded. Yeah. I would think everything, like you're thinking, everything coming through, it's going to be a stray radio broadcast. Yeah. But when you get stuff that comes through there that's related to the location, related to the haunting, It'll be sometimes in the middle of the frequencies, but there are no radio stations, mm-hmm. you know, in certain areas of band. Sure. And when you hear them talk about sweep, that's because some of the devices might be 24 seconds on each station through sweep. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it gives you a sentence in the same voice, back to back over a span of up to, you know, a half second or more, yeah. you're not, you're not going to get the same voice from a radio station coming through that complete sweep area. True. So, but it's very far and few in between from my experience. I, I do things more the old-fashioned method. I do experiment around. I call that experimental equipment, you know, mm-hmm. on our end. But it has proved very useful in the past, where it does sometimes blurt out details, you know, about the exact location person or, or something relevant to what you're investigating. Sure. What about some of the devices you see now where it will... Uh scan i mean there there's one for iPhones the ghost uh ghost scanner i believe it's called and it it supposedly is is picking up waves and will spell out words for you that it it's supposedly picking up what do you think of those those devices that's the same type of device as the Oculus really yeah and okay. other such things i need to have put on the iPhone i'm i was very skeptical of those as well because you're depending on whatever you're investigating to be able to manipulate the electromagnetic fields and the temperature or other sensors in this device, mm-hmm. which have generate words or phonetics from it. Sure. And iPhones and Android phones have that capability because most of them have temperature sensors in them and mm-hmm. you know, magnetic sensors. So those are the same way. You have to be very careful. About 
five percent of the time it's random gibberish. Yeah. But sometimes you'll be somewhere where maybe the spirit, the entity, or whatever someone wants to call it, learns the process of using it. It's right. almost a learning, learning curve. Yeah, a learning curve on on their side as well. On their side, right? Yeah, because it's something that hasn't existed. But just an example, I was at a private investigation here in the St. Louis area, mm-hmm. and I was with our, you know, our vice president and one of our other lead investigators, Sandro. We're in the basement of the area, and it kept calling her the bad B word. Really? And yeah, if you're one of those type of devices, obvious at the time, mm-hmm. and then. We take a break, and I'm unfortunately I'm still a cigarette smoker, so I tell them I'm going up outside to smoke, you know, smoke one. Sure. And going and going up the stairs, the ovulus just blatantly said, "No cigarettes." Which wow, really, that was the first time it floored me because it was something relevant to what was going on. Yeah. And it was direct, and I sent that to. The event, inventor Bill Chapel is obvious, mm-hmm. and that floored him as well. He, he never heard anything so accurate come out of it, and especially a word not programmed into the dictionary into it. So it wasn't even programmed in. Wow. So it was literally, it spelled it out itself. Right. Phonetically or by other yeah. means, it, it, it said it. So it was bizarre. And, and 5% of the time, you do get some very interesting results, but. I never really base our findings during an investigation off of such experimental device. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to this. Let's go and and jump into some of these EVPs that you sent uh, for us to listen to and share this evening. Uh, We can start out here uh, with the ones that are labeled Union, uh, and we'll just kind of start at the top of this list. What I have here first off is uh, Union point of view what is should we listen to it first before you tell the story or do you have a story to intro this one with oh this is going to be a very interesting one this is what we call a forward and reverse EVP. okay you have both segments there one's played forward one's played reverse yeah and the theory behind that is in the area where a possible portal where the paranormal comes through that it, it could spin the opposite direction and actually reverse, you know, the audio as well. I see, I heard it in the background. Some. I was hitting it by mistake, but yeah. So this is something where I, I've never heard of that, where an EVP could be literally speaking in, in reverse. Right, this one speaks both forward and reverse. Okay. It's, more, it's more than just an old Beatles song where it's yeah. reverse yeah. put in automatically. <laughs> Paul's dead. Because we actually, we actually experimented and said verbally, you know, what we thought was being said in the CVP. Yeah. We could not reverse it to get the same result. Okay, let's listen to it. This is the first time we're going to play this uh, forward. Here we go. One more time. Now, what are you what are you getting out of that when you're playing it forward? Okay, what we perceived out of this one would be his point of view is, is distracted, a female voice. Okay. And then in reverse. Here we go. I don't know what I got out of that. Why don't you go find me? Okay, I can hear that. Let's listen to the first one again. And this is saying point of view, or my point of view is distracted, you said? Your point of view is distracted. Okay, here it is again. Okay, I can hear that. I can hear that. It's interesting what, when someone says what they're they're getting out of it. Suddenly, it's completely clear. How do you begin to decipher an, an EVP? Is it a bunch of people in a room throwing out ideas of what they think they're hearing, or or just you getting something and then asking what others think, or or how how do you come to a conclusion on some of these? Well, actually, we'll each analyze our own audio or give it to someone else to analyze. Okay. And after doing it long enough, you know that the ones usually um, below 300 hertz 
are more actively EVPs. And it's hard for me to describe on the phone. When you do this long enough of a program, mm-hmm. you can see the you're you're an you know you're an audio at a radio station. Yeah. And you can see certain aspects of the audio waves on the graph. Yeah. And a lot of times EVP it's weird. It's like it like sucks out you know some of the background noise first, whereas there's extreme drop. Mm-hmm. You know, in the wave pattern before it comes on, then it bursts on, and then it sucks out again. Mm-hmm. So it creates that oddity, at least from my experience, in a lot of captures. Now, when you're capturing EVPs and you're you're actually going on recording, you're not hearing the uh, the EVP as you're walking through the investigation. You're not realizing it's saying anything until you actually sit down later and listen to the audio. Is that accurate? Right, nine times out of ten. In some cases, you will hear it with your own ears. Uh-huh. And in the, in the case of that forward and reverse one you played, it's very odd. Is I, I, when, when you hear, I, don't, I didn't see the full audio clip, mm-hmm. but you hear me before that was extracted saying that's weird. It sounds like something was into my brain, mm-hmm. like from space or somewhere, somewhere that I could not identify, but I didn't hear it audibly. I heard, like, you know, some type of a transmission garbled where I heard it inside me. Wow. And the best, the best I could determine, it came from, you know, the brain area. Sure. I'm, I'm almost wondering, and this is something I've wondered about EVPs, where uh, is it possible, and this may just be a, a matter of coming up with a contraption that could do it, because this is something I, I, I was able to do years ago in the old reel-to-reel days in radio. If you'd plug your headphone into uh, a reel-to-reel uh, player, um, sometimes, depending on its setup, there'd be a slight delay onto it. So whatever you were recording into it, um, a half a second later, you'd hear it back because you were hearing what was actually being put onto the tape. Is there, I wonder if there's a contraption out there that could be made where you're listening to uh, essentially a small delay in, in the playback uh, of what you're recording where you could then instantly hear if there is an EVP being captured because you're getting that slight delay and you're actually hearing the playback. You're not hearing just raw audio being pulled into whatever recording device you're, you're using. That's a very interesting concept. I believe they have some things out there and some digital recorders where you could plug in headphones, but that's yeah. the live recording. It's not delayed. Yeah, it's so where. It's a, yeah, I mean, where where you actually wouldn't be listening to just the live audio coming in, but you're you're it's somehow playing back um, the the essentially the, the material that was just captured a second or two earlier. Right, that's a very interesting concept. I might actually try to do that next time I'm out on the investigation. Figure Good. out some way to make a. Yeah, because that could almost allow you to immediately interact then with that EVP that's that's saying something to you. I, I've, I've that always my mind always goes back to the reel to reel at the radio station. It's all analog technology, you know, been around forever. But that's on there. You were literally hearing a, a small delay because you weren't hearing the raw audio that was being fed through. And I always thought that could be something that could be very useful in the world of EVPs. Let's move on to another one. Um, back to Union. I have one. The next one here says, uh, like boy, what's the story on this one? That's the first one that I talked to you about that capture. Okay. okay. My, my first time in the Union House investigating, I go back and analyze my audio for the first time, and bam, there it was. Okay, this is our first one, and this it's saying exactly what? I like the little boy. I like the little boy. Here we go. You like the little boy. You can almost hear it. You like the little boy. That's creepy. It's a, It's like it's whispering to you. That's very creepy, and that's a case where you hear the background cricket noise. Yeah. And it, like, remodulates, that's what I call it, a remodulation of that noise, or using that as a white noise, what a lot of people would say, to get out of communication. Because that, that, that white noise, and it, it sounds like almost like a digital echo, suddenly appears. It, 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 it's like it wasn't there before. Did that, did that just come up when that, that voice came through and then go away when it stopped? Right, and that was it. That was the only period. Wow. Um, thereafter, before, it was just hearing the sounds of normal cricket buzzing. Do EVPs 
and and the voice that you've heard come through do they differ in sound when you suspect that they are human or were human or if they were something else like a demonic force is there a different sound between the two well, by theory, the demonic can present itself as whatever it wants. Okay. It can, pre- it can present itself as a little girl, a little boy, mm-hmm. or, you know, something else. So in in that aspect, you know, depending on a person's belief system, there might not be any difference at all. In other EVPs, you know, the, the under the 300 hertz level is the general guideline because I picked them up in all the hertz bands, mm-hmm. and that's by documenting carefully your surroundings when you're capturing EVP. you got to orally note every noise, every movement. Mm-hmm. Even when you're doing it, if somebody's whispering, you got to note that so it doesn't get confused later. Sure. So it's all a matter of the person collecting it and how they, you know, make those notes on their audio recording when they analyze later because you're not going to remember even a couple hours later. Now, this is something that obviously almost anyone can do just with a simple recorder going out there and and rolling tape, for lack of a better term, and asking questions and seeing what they get back. Uh, something that I think can be kind of intimidating to folks is when they hear things like it's in this Hertz band or that Hertz band. If, if somebody is going out there and, and they, they capture the audio using uh, uh, an analog recorder or a digital recorder, is there any sort of special settings they need to be using on this, or are they just trying to record thin air, regular audio when, when they're trying to capture an EVP? I would say just record general audio. Okay. You don't want to use voice activation because by the time something would manifest, and a lot of people make this mistake, I did in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, by the time it manifests enough level of audio, you capture half of it or less. Okay. So you always want to take it off a of voice activation. You don't want to use settings like dictation or notes. You want to use a setting on some of these newer ones like um, Zoom, like Amplifier, you know, that captures distance as well. Okay. And then when someone goes back to to review the audio uh, and pull it up in, in essentially a wave form to take a look at it, is there any filtering techniques that you use to try and pull out certain areas or certain bands of audio, or do you just pull up that waveform and essentially look for some spikes? Well, you pull up the waveform, you listen to it, so you have to go back and look at the waveform yeah. you know, after you hear it. And basically, I don't overclean is what I call it, overclean. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to hear it clearly with your own ears first. Yeah. If you have headphones on, turn it way up, and you think there's something clean and clean, you're going to distort it and create a paranoia situation, mm-hmm. or what some people call matrixing the audio version, mm-hmm. that their mind is going to interpret it as something recognizable when it's actually not. Okay. So it's really just quite simple. Grab the audio and then listen back. Right. And, and the thing for someone doing that to remember, too, is when they're asking a question... You have to allow about 10 to 20 seconds for something to possibly manifest. You can't ask, like, what's your name, what color is your hair, mm-hmm. what school did you go to? You have to allow spaces between your questions. And let them take whatever they need to, the time to try and manifest itself with, with an actual answer. Right. And there's been times, actually, you know, on the bizarre side, where you're thinking a question, you don't even say it verbally, but you'll end up with an answer to it. Really? Yeah, I, we've had that happen a few times. And you, and you don't get the question out, you'll have the answer before the question, before you verbally say it. That's that's spooky. <laughs> well, that's the paranormal. Sure. <laughs> it's spooky by nature. Let's play another one here. This is, I have here, uh, <laughs> let me stop here, uh, Union, It's All Right. Here we go. That's that's very clear. Let's play that again. What was what was asked? Was there a question asked to that that voice? It almost sounds female. No, I was actually outside on the perimeter of the property at night. Very mm-hmm. quiet surroundings. No one near me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I was just making notes about the previous, you know, last leg of the investigation inside the house. Mm-hmm. 
and then reviewing that, you know, take notes from it, I heard that female voice just as loud as my voice. Really? Yes, that's how clear it was. And there was no females outside, no males, nobody, just me by myself. Mm-hmm. Let's just hear that one more time, because that was, that was very, that would almost sounded like there was someone nearby your recorder just speaking out loud. So when you, when you captured that, you were hearing that audibly as well? No, I didn't hear that one audibly. Okay. I was, I was just taking notes, the verbal notes okay. from the reporter, that, and that came in. Wow. Let's and go on. Why, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say that's why in, in that situation, a lot of people theorize that location is a demonic haunting due to certain reasons. But I had theories at the time, and I still hold to them, that it's most likely, if it is demonic, it's also a portal haunting, where different spirits could come in and out because of the varied, you know, different voices capture the EVP from the same location. Mm-hmm. So it could be it could be one of two things, or or both things, where it's it's it is a demonic thing that is taking on whatever form it needs to and sound it needs to, or right. like you were saying, a portal where it's it's just multiple entities that are there coming in and out, and and they're able to to all of course have different sounds because they're all their own unique uh, beings, <laughs> if you will. Right, and that evocation too. Um, a lot of people at that time didn't realize the old poorhouse in Union, Missouri. Really? Um, his, pro- his property extended to where the subdivision was and most likely where they buried their unmarked graves at. Wow, okay. So, so some of the houses, which were the old railroad houses, you know how they dropped them off. Sure. Off the railroad car and built them like the Sears and Ward's homes, mm-hmm. you know, could have been built right over a grave. And no one knew until they started having things happen to them. Wow. Right. Let's go to this one. This is uh, some of the Tri-County hauntings uh, and and EVPs that we have. What's the story behind some of these? Oh, man. Tri-County is probably one of the most haunted locations I've ever been to. We got called back in 2006 by the proprietor who ran the restaurant in there. Okay. And she was she was telling us that you know they knew it was haunted, but now it's reached a level that they were concerned. Um, waitresses would be touched, um, patrons would be salt and pepper shakers, levitate and go from one table to the other. Equipment would come on and off in the kitchen unexplainably. Pots and pans would like fly through the air. Uh, waitresses would go upstairs and have doors hold shut on them. They would go in the basement and have things thrown at them. And it's just endless. And then the thing that broke the straw was little kids going back to the bathroom had to pass the stairway going to the second floor. And they started reporting and coming back crying. And they said they saw a monster killing a lady on the stairs. Not something you want your children to say they just saw. (laughs) Yeah, and that happened multiple times. There was like, you know, about 15 to 20 kids within a month. Say they saw a monster killing a lady on the stairs. Right. That, and what was more, what was more bizarre, we on our first night there. I think that was August two thousand six. The business was still open, so we went a little early to see the ambient setting, to patronize them, to you know, to buy our dinner before they closed. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting at a big round table, about ten of us, and five of us on the half that was facing the waitress counter area witnessed about a quarter to a third full pot of coffee of the tea off the burner, come out into the waitress aisle back behind the counter, hover there about a half second, and then release and crash the floor. That's where you really wish you had a security camera. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, there's a lot of things. We, but we did capture probably the most significant piece of evidence, you know, ever, um, a blue ghost in the basement walking across it. Really? And, and that was on the news. You know, stations where I lived for quite a while, and, and that's what brought the factor fake um, paranormal battle show out there. Okay. To try to, to try to debunk it, and they classified that as a haunted place, no doubt. They couldn't debunk it. No, because other things that happened to us, we we had an incandescent light bulb thrown over our heads in the basement from the back area where nothing was, and it flew a good twenty-five foot in front of us and crashed to the floor. And then some people in the following couple of weeks took a local newspaper reporter out there. They were 
her in the basement showing her stuff with that, and then a rusty butcher knife come out of nowhere. And it hit a, a vent in front of them. It broke tip off the knife, and the knife bounced back like 10 foot from the vent. Oh, my God. So it was one of the most bizarre, you know, scenarios I stepped into back then. That doesn't sound like it's a, a human uh, entity that's that's wandering around the building. And if it is, it's a very angry, vile one. Yeah, I think so. But actually, research, research in uh, vocation after you investigate it, after you investigate is very good to do because we kept researching, we kept with, doing witness interviews of old waitresses that worked there back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. They told us a story about a Korean war vet that, that, that showed up there, and, and the owner, who was a little mentally disabled, let him sleep in the basement for doing janitorial duties and helping out around there. Mm-hmm. And when waitresses would go down there, he would get a kick out throwing things at them. Oh. But, so that's his characteristic. So we're pretty sure, I think his name was George Bates or William Bates, uh-huh. that, that, that those actions fit his living profile. It's what he did when he was alive. Right. But up on the other floor, the bizarre is they would report seeing a man wearing like khaki colored pants that was translucent in a, in a flannel or plaid shirt. Mm-hmm. Would be the one in the dining room area that they nicknamed George. Mm-hmm. And no idea where they got the name from, but that profile fits the current owner's father who used to run the place. Okay. That so, video that you, you referred to that you captured with the blue entity going across, is that on your website by any chance? It's, it's on our YouTube page. On your, what is uh, the? Why don't you give us that YouTube address? Well, I'll catch my ghost is this name of the whatever you call it. I'm not, you know, I don't know all the things on sure. the internet like that. Okay. But the under catch my ghost, C A T C H M Y T H O S D. Catch my ghost. If somebody wants to find it on YouTube, okay. Let's play the. Go, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you said you were saying. Well, I was going to say if they go to our website www.paranormaltaskforce.com and go to investigations to look up Tri-County on Truck Stop, the restaurant. Okay. There might be something on one of the pages on the website that could do as well. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Okay, but that, that's a good starting point. If someone wants to find it, I'm sure they can they can find it from there. All right, let's play this one. This is Tri-County. This is uh, Where You Go. Let's listen in. That's pretty clear. Where You Go. Yeah, where'd you go? That's the real deep voice. That's what people assume could be demonic right away because of the deepness of the voice. Mm-hmm. But you have to take into consideration how deep was the person's voice in real life. Sure. And that was that was captured in the second floor area, which at one time used to have little sleeping rooms for truckers. Okay. Like about six, six of them. And doing research, it shows that there's been some mishaps up there, like OD and on certain drugs. Sure. Passed away prostitution being, you know, up there mm-hmm. and everything else. So there's a lot of cause for a voice like that. Sure. It could have very well been the sound of, of whoever that actually was at one time. Here's another one, Tri-County. Uh, help save me. What's, what's, our, what's the story behind this one? That was bizarre. That was during the end of the investigation. A lot of us were in the kitchen area just talking and wrapping up stuff, and I was an audio recorder, so, you know, at times when we do things like that, mm-hmm. don't know what you're going to capture and when. And it's harder when you have people that are talking. But this voice came in twice as loud as anybody that was in there talking. It's more like a scream or a plea. Okay, let's take a listen. That's... That one gave me shivers. Let's play that again. It almost sounds like a swine. <laughs> it has like a a weird whine to it. Is it is it, it says help save me. And it also has that that electronic sound to it where it's it's almost like sucking out the white noise to make its its presence heard. Right, and that was very bizarre hearing that later because as an investigator, you know, in that place, we don't know what is residual, what is interactive or intelligence. Mm-hmm. And getting something like that that was interactive or intelligence, you kind of feel sorry and you want to figure out some way to help the spirit, actually, in your situation. 
but we could never determine, you know, which one it was. From we went back. from your experience on that point, what you've witnessed, what you've seen, the places you've been, is there a way, do you believe, to actually help a spirit that is pleading for your help? That's all contingent on the person's belief system. Like I said, I'm more of a scientific person. There's there are certain metaphysical aspects with using mediums or psychics, mm-hmm. and I do not discredit that 100. percent Is that something we just do not know? Okay. And sometimes those people are very useful, you know, in assisting on different situations. Sure. In any investigations that you've been on, have you ever been with anyone who's, who's tried or attempted to to help in in some way, shape, or form? I don't know how you would or what you would be doing to to do that to help a voice that, that's saying something like that. But have you ever witnessed anyone trying to do that? Actually, a couple times. You know, I saw not psychics that were about with us or we brought in. But I have seen them in other places or where I was a guest on an investigation with another team. Try to do like crossing over, you know, to the white line. Go to the light, okay. Right, and move them on. But I have nothing proof positive that anything was accomplished. Sure, sure. Let's go on to another one. Uh, This looks like Pythian. Is that is that correct? Right, that's a Pythian castle in Springfield, Missouri. Okay, what's uh, what's the story behind that location? Yeah, it was built by Knights of Pythias about 1914, I believe, off the top of my head. Okay. It was a home where orphans stayed and widows stayed. And there were some suicides there. People passed on there. There's been documented activity with the current owner. I think she's owned it about a decade. And she's experienced, you know, experienced stuff since then. Seeing apparitions, you know, move across certain rooms, hearing certain noises. And then researching online, we found stories from water beds, even in the World War II time, because back then it became part of a military installation down there. And during that time, they used that for, like, the hospital administrative office mm-hmm. of, you know, the compound. They actually kept prisoners of war down there as well, which is very interesting in the middle of Missouri. They had high-ranking Nazi, you know, yeah. officers, Italian officers, and Japanese, you know, kept on their compound, and some were, were, we heard that were interrogated in the basement there. And some of the interrogations didn't come out too well for the prisoner. Sure. That you just know, sounds like an, an incredible mix of, of sadness that must have gone through that building from so many different angles. Right. You got the emotional value there. And yeah. then afterwards, it became um, like a a military club on that base for a short time. Mm-hmm. And even finding online, we found incidents where people in the military were talking about how haunted it was back then when they were in it. Wow. So it has, it has a plethora of activity there. Okay. It's a very haunted location. Let's play this first one. It's Pythian, and this is, uh, it says, Bastards. So I'm assuming a fairly angry voice we're about to hear. Let's take a listen. Was there an alarm going off at that time? Yeah, that, that's a long story. We were actually we we're actually involved. With, it seems like at that time, you know, some producers of a show come with you and all hell breaks loose. Uh huh. And we were down there. We were up on top of the tower room, or the you know third floor area, the small area. And the owner was telling us about you know a possible guy who molested children back in the day that worked there. Uh huh. And we kept talking about him. She brought up his name. And then I had a couple of motion alarms in my vest I was wearing, you know, where I keep equipment at. Yeah. They were, complete, they were completely off, and they went off. Boom. You know, they started going off hard, and that's when that voice came in with all the bad, like, three modulator or something. Let's play that again. That's like, a, it's like almost like it's shouting. Yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, we tried using that same scenario later in other locations with yeah. playing the high-pitched noises with zero results. But that did happen one other time there when I was, before I was leaving after an event we had there. And then I took the motion detectors and put them in my vest. I was in the bathroom using the urinal, 
I, I didn't extract that one from you. It's not as good as that one, but it does say to get out. Yeah, that is that's creepy. This this other one here. Uh, what what is this other one saying? Let's play this here. Abusive. Or abusage. Abusage. Which is an old English word. I thought it was German at first, but that was actually caught in the tunnel that um, goes from the capsule area to a back at the time of the laundry building, but was also a place where some of the hardcore peeled up people kept. So that would make sense then, that the voice is speaking in a different language. Right. I assume it was German, but some, some people did correct me and say that, you know, an English word. What does it mean? Is it Does it mean what we think it means, like abuse, or is it something else? Right, like abusive. Or okay. Abusive. Okay. That's, that's what again. And it almost sounds, you know, like a... Uh, 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 <laughs> I, I, I could just picture some, you know, gruff-looking... German type soldier when you hear that that voice go ahead and that was, that was during the time of filming a documentary that the thermal imager that another person had in that area to capture a large shadow mass coming up from the back of the tunnel area really okay so do you see that often where where the the EVPs will coincide with other events going on, obviously you have the alarms going off in your vest there, there you have the shadow. Is that a common thing where the EVPs tend to pop up when other things are being set off? About half and half. Okay. Sometimes you think you're at the most boring investigation, like being out on a lake fishing, yeah. and you don't get any nibbles or bites. But in this case, you take home your audio, you're making nothing happen, no personal experiences, nothing observed at night, and you listen to your audio and you be blown away. You have a couple of the best EVPs there could be. Mm-hmm. And other times you go into a location, you have everything happening, and you come back and nothing at all, audibly mm-hmm. or visually captured. For the amount of investigations that you go on, how often do you come back with uh, actual EVPs from an investigation? Mm, about 10% of the time. 10%? So it's not, not, a, not as common as, as one would think. No, if you thoroughly analyze and make your notes on your recording while you're doing it, mm-hmm. you can eliminate a lot of what people would call false positives. Okay. Let's uh, move on to this one. Uh, it is labeled Harney. Uh, what What is that that location? The Harney Mansion is located in Sullivan, Missouri. It's it's the place where I think General Harney, you know, from the Civil War days, put up. Okay. And this one says, "Here they come." Let's take a listen. It sounds like a female saying that. Right, that's a female. What What was going on in the in your investigation when you captured that? We were investigating. It was a very small investigative crew. The second floor is basically inaccessible in there, but they're renovating now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were encountering physical touches before that time and smelling like the scent of lavender traveling around mm-hmm. and documenting like EMF, electromagnetic field spikes on our meters at the same time as the temperature decreased. Okay. And then we came out of a, an old hallway and. One of us mentioned, let's go in this room, you know, down here to the left. And since we entered the room, that's when the audio was. Okay. It's like they knew we were coming, and they were warning, you know, that spirit was warning other ones. And there's more history than just, you know, being the place where General Harney lived. Mm -hmm. It was also a Masonic temple at one time. Okay. And that's the room where I forget stars, I think they're called. Uh-huh. In the Masonic world, the females use that room where the voices come from. Interesting. It, it, that's an interesting uh, thought that if, are, are, can they communicate if, they, if there's more than one in one location, are they communicating with each other uh, on, on such a basic level, warning them, hey, here they come? And that's what I presumed it was. Yeah. 
That's... Or, or it could be residual. It could be something from the past repeating. Sure. That's that's interesting. With with EVPs, do you feel what what percentage do you think are residual energies, and what percentage do you think are are conscious beings that are actually able to respond uh, consciously to to questions and 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 your presence? That's very very hard to decipher. Yeah, because a lot of times you ask your question is you get something that sounds more random than directly you know answering your question. Sure. So I would put the interactive part portion a lot lower than the residual portion. Okay. We have uh, one more here. This one uh, is, is zombie. What's what's the story behind that? Oh, zombie road is urgent um, legend area in the Louis County area, but it has significant history. It was the place where the Native Americans mined dirt um, to make you know tools and that out of. It was the only passable place in the bluffs at the time where they go down and use the ford across the river. On the railroad days, the railroad was built in there, and a lot of mayhem comes with the railroad construction, the Chinese, and, you know, the situation and everything else. Then there was actually civil war skirmishes. And then we kept investigating, and then we found a homestead down there that actually the husband lost his wife in a poker game and went back and hung himself at his homestead. <laughs> husband lost his wife in a poker game? Right, and he committed, yeah, committed suicide by hanging himself. But wow. it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop there. It's just in the 1800s, one of the first settlers' daughters got hit by one of the you know early trains coming through the area. Oh wow, Hamilton, and then other deaths in the general area. A mother was taking her five-year-old and crossing one of the creeks on a on a train trestle type bridge, and the last thing she did was push her son off into the the river or the creek below and she got hit by the train the conductor stopped the train they were able to rescue the boy out of the water but she was long gone wow there were teenagers hit down there in the 60s and they actually recruited vocals for the body park search so it just goes on and on somebody fell off the cliff um, around christmas time a couple in their 20s the cliffs above it um, the boyfriend fell off and his face well, graphic through the radio, but his face got caught in the fork of a tree, and it ripped off his face and scalp, and his body, you know, fell below. Yeah. So it's not really a place you want to go hang out. <laughs> well, no, no, not a converted. They, they paved, you know, one of the portions, and well, it's basically yeah. a biking trail. Now. now it's a park with flowers. <laughs> yeah, that's basically yeah. what turned into. Yeah. The one's called. One part's called the Rock Hollow Trail, another one's the Al Foster Trail. Okay. You know, which it transverses the whole area. But Very. It's a, type, it's a type of area, daytime, nighttime. Yeah. You kind of witness something, experience something different. That's another possible portal area as well. Okay. Let's uh, play this one. Go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's play this one. Say first. <laughs> Try again. You go. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm on, on this phone, but sure. personally, I've I seen full apparitions there. A guy in blue jeans and wearing a t-shirt. Really? That wasn't there, and he was seen by a couple other shadow figures. What makes what makes something a portal area? Do you have any idea what would cause that? Is it just random fields of you know that the world has, or could it be caused by so many? You know, essentially, you know. It, tragic uh, occurrences or, or so much energy, you know, being expelled in one area like that? This area does support both sides. You know, you have to type like geographic lay lines and that could cause portal areas depending on how they are in the area. Uh-huh. You have the other issues with so much death, tragedy, and emotion could create them as well. And there's a river down there, so you have the energy of the river. You know, trains going through there, you know, back in the day could have added more energy. Mm-hmm. You have those theories as well, different types of energy could cause such as, you know, in areas such yeah. as that. Okay, let's play this here. This is You Know Too Much. Is there a reason why you stay here? Play that again. Is there a reason why you stay here? It's another one of those that you can hear the uh, the electricity in the voice. You can hear the the white noise almost increase when it speaks. 
Right, and that's one of the common traits of a lot of EVPs when you're listening as well. Mm-hmm. But there's not, there hasn't been too much of a hype producing EVP area. There's that one and maybe a couple other ones. But that's significant because that was during the first investigation. Mm-hmm. And we had a large group of people. It's such a large area. It's like two and a half miles from the top of one area down to the bottom to the other trail that transverse, you know, about five miles. Mm-hmm. And there's about 20 of us, including some local business people, and that people who were very skeptical on it. Sure. But they wanted to come. They wanted to come along, and we get halfway down the two and a half mile run, and all of a sudden a shadow apparition comes down the side of a small bluff, mm-hmm. stops in the middle of the old road, and, and over half the people saw it, and then took off in the woods on the other side. And some of those locals that you know have businesses down there. The scene looks on their faces priceless. One of them turned around, and after a few minutes, it really picked it over. He goes, what in the F was that? Yeah. <laughs> and then that's where we had to tell him. He kept shining his light. He goes, it couldn't have been an animal. It wasn't a person. No noises were made. Yeah. And they, and they were in awe. And there's actually a miniature railroad that runs down there as a recreation point. And some of them were more from that, you know, business as well. Yeah. And it gave them a different viewpoint the next time they run their own major railroad, you know, passengers. Wow. Uh, just, uh, uh, wow. These, uh, these electronic voice phenomena, the EVPs. Have you ever been, and this is one last question, have you ever been disturbed by anything that you have collected uh, in, in, your, in your research? Genuinely, you, you played it back and went, okay, I, I really got to rethink doing this. I can't think of specifics except the one you played, you know, offhand to help save me. Yeah. But there's been other incidents like that that really scratch your head. And it's like, what in the heck is going on here? Yeah. What was that? Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us tonight. Uh, ParanormalTaskForce.com, that's the website, correct? Okay, folks can go on there and, and check out uh, more EVPs. And is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, they can find us on um, Facebook as well. We have a Facebook account. You can search for Paranormal Task Force on there. And I was just going to mention one thing I wish I would have sent you because it refers to one of our one of our members that's been with us from the beginning and passed away suddenly earlier this year, Tom Halstead. I'm sorry he to hear that. He was a photographer by trade, and he had some of the most amazing captures photographically. You could give him a box full of pinhole, and then he would probably still come out with a capture. He had that type of connection with the paranormal. Wow. He never claimed to be a psychic or medium. But there was one case down in the Zombie Road area that, that was his favorite area. He would take nature pictures and actually capture paranormal pictures down there. Mm-hmm. And there was one time he didn't go in a EVP session. And the EVP I captured was a response to me asking a question. And it's the same female voice that says, you know, mm-hmm. but she's saying, you're not Tom. It's really? Like she knew I, was, I wasn't Tom, and she wasn't going to do anything about Tom being there. It was just one of the bizarre things that, you know, told me that this one is more interactive. Yeah, it's a conscious force that, that knew who he was. Right. But what I want to mention to you is, you know, as well, um, since Tom passed away, um, we're selling some of his photographic captures for a limited time mm-hmm. at com. Okay. And all the proceeds from that are going toward raising money to get a memorial bench in a black and gray dedicated to Tom in the Zombie Road area. Okay. That was my favorite place. So I just thought that it would be nice if it would be the only time that people out there will actually be able to buy copies and have them shipped to their house and printed out 8 by 10s or 5 by 7s Okay, great. I think I saw that link. link is also up on your website, and we'll put that link up on our website as well. Okay, this time was very close to all of us. He was very special and gifted. Sure. And we lost him so quick. You know, he was, you know, I'm 48. He was, I think, 46 or 45. Yeah, that's... He was a freak freak thing there, you know, he fell over on a scooter he was playing with and bruised up his shoulder and bought nothing of it and a blood clot farm that he never mm-hmm. knew about and it broke loose and gave him an instant stroke. Wow. Right, and I'm hoping that anybody, you 
know, he's out there that he will figure out how to cross back over. To that would be something, wouldn't it? Right. It would validate that it does exist and yeah. it can be interactive 100%. Let, let me ask you, have you, have you attempted to try and communicate with him that way yet? A couple times, but the loss hasn't been that long ago. So okay. It puts people in, you know, very sad and emotional state. Sure. Not not the the right time to to do that yet. Okay, Greg, thank you so much for talking with us. We will put those links up on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. You have a great night, Greg. Thank you again so much. You too, Tony. There you have it. EVPs, some very convincing audio tonight. At Real Ghost Stories Online again, a, a big thank you to our guest. Mr. Greg Myers, president of the Paranormal Task Force. Be sure to uh, check out that website. And also, uh, if this is a topic that interests you, obviously, if you're still listening, it is. Uh, do look uh, at some of those photos and consider purchasing one for uh, his friend uh, that passed on to help out with that memorial. And how about some folks who uh, also share the passion that, that you certainly have if you're listening to this show. For Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening.